So keep your Bibles open. We will walk through this passage together as we study it and ask for the Lord to make application in our hearts. So let's just pause again for just a moment and ask the Lord to to help us today. Lord, we love you and praise you. You have been so good to us even this day with life and and health and the opportunity to gather, the freedom to gather, Bibles in our own language, being able to lift our voice, being able to sing and, and declare the truth about Christ, about the gospel, being able to look to you for mercy, being able to call upon your name and know that by the work of our mediator, our high priest, that we draw near to you and that you hear our prayer and that you're already at work. To be able to gather at the first of the week, the Lord's day, the the day of resurrection and, and to point our hearts and our minds toward the things that matter most, to to reorient our lives, to renew our perspective, to refresh our faith as we go into another week filled with challenges and opportunities and difficulties and joys. And to be able to look to your word together, to, to, to be able to, to understand that this is the eternal truth, the, 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 the divine inspired word of God spoken from you through the Holy Spirit given to us that we might know, that we might have in our possession that which is sufficient for this life and for salvation. So we have everything, God. We we have so much right here already this day to praise you for. So we ask, God, now that you would just clear our hearts and our minds and that you would fill it with your word, that you would work in our, work in our lives, God, to show us, to encourage us, to convict us, to challenge us, Lord, to draw us to yourself, to give us faith, Lord, where we need to believe, to give us repentance where we need to repent, that you would do a, a marvelous, tremendous work in, in us as individuals and us corporately together as a church. And we're going to give you the praise and the glory, Father, for what you accomplish. Help us to yield, Lord, to, to let go of the things that we're clutching that are keeping us from a vibrant satisfied, thrilling, joyful walk with Christ. And so we ask for it in, the, in his name and for his glory. Amen. So how the disciple became a denier. A disciple, of course, is one who follows Christ, clings to Christ, listens to Christ, obeys Christ, loves Christ. But the denier is one who, who claims no, no affiliation, who, who wants nothing to do, who, who rejects. So those are two totally different positions, being a disciple and being a denier. So, so how do you go from being a disciple to being a denier? How do you move from, if you, if you recall 
Peter's confession or, or Peter's declaration to Christ. He was very adamant about it. Now, how do you move from announcing that you are willing to die with Jesus, which is Simon Peter's previous stance, to denying that you even know him? I don't even know the man. How do you go that distance? How, how do you travel that, that tremendous trajectory? How do you get from a, a faith full of zeal for the Lord to what seems like no faith at all? I mean, no connection to him at all. I, I don't know him. How do we get to the place in our Christian journey that we, that we actually do the very thing that we said that we would never, ever do? That is the lesson for us today as we look and observe Simon Peter's steps in this narrative before us today. Now, if, if we did not already know, if, if Jesus had not already said, and if we had not already read through this, if we did not already know that Simon Peter is going to be the disciple to deny Jesus, if we, if we didn't have kind of the insight that this is going to happen, we would have never have guessed it would be him. I mean, we, we would have never come to that conclusion. If somebody said, you know, one of these guys is going to deny Jesus, we would have never thought, I bet it's Simon Peter. He would be the last one we would think of. I mean, we would, I think, I, I mean, I, okay, I'll speak for myself, but, but I would have been more likely to say, it's got to be one of those disciples you never hear about. You know, just, you see their name once or twice, and then they're, they're no, it's, it's one of those guys. You know, it's always one of those guys. But surely not Simon Peter. I mean, he was the front man. He was the spokesman. He was out front. He took, he took a step forward. He stood up for Christ. I mean, he was, he was rugged, he was tough, he was stout. This was the man who took the net at one time with, with 153 fish in it and carried it by himself to shore. I mean, we, we would call Simon Peter, Samson Peter. This is the one who, who boldly declared his faith as, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the courageous one, right? This is the one who drew the sword. This is the one who took a swipe at the mob when they arrived at the garden. Peter alone tried to fight back. It was him alone. There's no way, no way, this guy, tough, outspoken, upfront, courageous, bold, sword-wielding, he'll never deny Christ. And yet the strongest one among them became the weakest, was the one who denied Christ. How did this happen? This is the great lesson for us today. This is a great application for us. If Simon Peter can fall in his faith to that degree, so can we. If it could happen to him, it can happen to us. And, and it's actually an easier fall to take than we imagine or than we think. Apart from the grace of God, we would all become deniers of Christ. We would all 
walk away. And that's why the Apostle Paul calls the Christian life a fight of, uh, of faith, a race to run, a call to discipline ourselves for the sake of godliness. Spiritual life in a world filled with spiritual death is nothing short of spiritual war. Let me say that again. Spiritual life in a world of spiritual death is nothing short of spiritual war. So let's see together how this occurred in Simon Peter's life and then pray for the grace of God to keep us from slipping down that very same path in our own lives. And the first thing that I want us to notice together this morning is how Simon Peter took some small steps in the wrong direction. And we see this in verses 69 and 70. So when we find ourselves miles away from Jesus, it doesn't happen because we took one large leap. All of a sudden, we just decided to completely depart from Jesus as far as we can get from him. It doesn't happen that way. It happens when we begin to take little small steps, little small decisions, little small compromises, little small things in the wrong direction. And this is what's happening in Simon Peter's life. We began, our text began in verse 69, but look with me back up in verse 58. I want us to catch I want us to catch the context, the, the geographical, the physical location in verse 58 of Simon Peter. It says, and, and Peter was following him, that's Jesus, Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, see where he's at, going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end, see what's going to happen here. Now look down with me to verse 69 and catch his location again. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him. Do you see Peter's physical location? Because his physical location is a signpost of his spiritual location. And dear friends, that is often true for every single one of us as well. Where we place ourselves physically is often an indication of where we are spiritually. What we expose ourselves to physically is often an indication of where we are spiritually. The, the things going on in the physical realm is telling us something about the spiritual realm. First, he was inside the courtyard. Now he's outside the courtyard. Verse 58 said he was following Jesus at a distance. He was making sure. He, he was taking some steps back. He wasn't drawing the sword and standing by Jesus' side any longer. So the first step in the wrong direction for Simon Peter was that he created a little distance between him and Jesus, a little safe space. And then he created a little more distance, a little safer space between him and Jesus. 
And that put Simon Peter in the wrong spiritual direction. That set him on a course from turning from a disciple, a follower, one who clings to Christ, to a denier. So why the distance? Why is, why is Simon Peter following Jesus at a distance? Well, you know, it's a little safer because if he's right with Jesus, he might be accused with Jesus. He might be aligned with Jesus. And if he's aligned with Jesus, he might be condemned with Jesus. And if he's condemned with Jesus, well, he might be executed with Jesus. It's safer. It's safer to have some distance between me and Jesus. It's safer to not be outspoken. It's safer to not be so aligned and so closely connected with everyone knowing and everyone watching. So he took a few small steps away from Jesus for his ease, for his comfort. And that's why we often begin taking small steps in the wrong direction, away from Christ creating a little distance between us and the way, the, 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 the truth, the life. It's safer, it's safer to go along with the crowd or not go along with them, just don't say anything rather than oppose when untruth is being promoted or spoken, when our friends are denying truth and denying Christ and mocking Christianity or mocking Christ or the gospel, it's easier to be, to be more comfortable, to kind of keep silent, to kind of make some distance, to kind of not be aligned, to not be counted as, as one of those crazies that believe this. Sometimes our faith in the gospel is going to be costly. Jesus told us as much. And so when it's going to cost, when, it, when it's going to cost reputation, when it's going to cost relations, it's safer in those times to take a few steps away. It's safer to join in with those who are opposing than to stand and be opposed. But what we don't realize at the time, when, when we grow silent, when when we join in, when we are convinced by unbiblical, by, by untruth argumentation, and, and we then begin even to promote an anti-biblical stance, well, what we don't realize at the time is those steps away from Christ, that, that little distance from Christ is actually going to cost us far more, far more than if we would have stood in the faith and counted the cost right where we were. Simon Peter's going to find that out. It's going to cost him so much more. But there's another small step that he takes, isn't it, in the wrong direction. In verse 70, he told a little lie. But he denied it before them and all saying, I do not know what you mean. I do not know what you mean. Now, maybe he was thinking, if I, if I just say this now, it, it's, it's been brought up, it's, it's bound to be brought up, right? Somebody brought it up, I'll just denounce it now in kind of a fuzzy kind of way, right? I don't know what you mean. 
If I just go ahead and get, I'll get this behind me and, and, and maybe take a, another little step back, get, get a little bit more distance, and I won't have to worry about that anymore. And that's what happens. So he, put, he takes a small step for comfort and safety in the wrong direction. But here's the thing about those little lies. They are never satisfied on their own. A little lie wants company. He wants a big brother. He's got to have somebody with him. So that little lie, they're, they're always seeking the company of bigger lies. They, want, they, want, they don't want to be in the spotlight. A lie does not want the spotlight because he knows he's a lie. So he wants another lie, a bigger lie, to come and take the spotlight. And that, my friends, is a temptation for us when our faith is called into question or the Scripture is brought up in conversation or a topic or an issue or or someone asks, does your church really believe that? Does your pastor really preach that? Do you really think the Bible says that? You really think this is a sin? How can you be that judgmental? How can you be that filled with hate? You really believe Jesus is the only Savior? You really believe that there is an eternal hell? How easy it becomes to take that small step and, and just to make that kind of fuzzy thing. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't really, I don't think so. I don't believe that. Well, not, not really. It's kind of complicated. Small steps away from Jesus begin when we, when we allow a little distance in our relationship with Christ. That's what's happening with Simon Peter. He's allowing a little distance with his relationship, with his commitment, with his surrendering to Christ. So he begins to fudge the truth a little to stay comfortable outside the courtyard. How do you go from being a disciple to being a denier? Well, the first thing is you take small steps in the wrong direction. The second thing is that you continue to follow the wrong path. This is what Simon Peter does in verses 71 and 72. You just continue taking those small steps in that wrong direction, following that wrong path. You see, we have to be very careful. When, when we're talking about our spiritual life, we have to be extra careful and vigilant concerning trajectories. They are very easy, spiritually easy to set. It is far easier to set a spiritual trajectory away from Christ than it will ever be to set one towards Christ. Watch those trajectories because when, when you establish that trajectory of distance and, and being ashamed of the truth and, 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 and seeking comfort and being fearful and being ashamed and not understanding the faith and not being grounded in the faith and you, you set that trajectory, it becomes increasingly difficult to change course. It's far more easier just to keep the trajectory. It's always difficult to change course. In in anything in life, once we set a trajectory in our life, it might be something in in our physical life, our health, it might be in our financial realm, it might be in a relationship, the way we communicate, anything. If once we set a trajectory, it's very difficult to change course. That rings true in our spiritual life. 
The easiest thing to do is just keep going the way you're going. And that's exactly what Simon Peter does here. Notice first, he's created even more distance between him and Jesus. Now, in verse 71, he goes out to the entrance. A little more distance. A little more safety. You see, a little distance is going to lead to a greater distance. It's the trajectory just as the, the reverse trajectory is the same, drawing close to Jesus yields drawing closer to Jesus. But little things, little compromises lead to greater compromises, and that's the trajectory that we're not aware of, that we're not in tune to. That we quite frankly sometimes just don't believe. We don't believe. No, I will never be a denier. I know I'm making this little step. I know I'm making this little fuzzy denial. But I will never be an outright denial. And yet we're on the trajectory to do the very thing we say we'll never do. Spiritual trajectories. We've all got them. We've all got to be careful and vigilant and watchful. When we allow this one thing to take priority over worship, soon something else will take priority over worship. And the trajectory will end where we're hardly in worship at all. And that's a trajectory. That's a trajectory that the, the, the rising generation takes even further. It's a spiritual direction. Either Jesus rose on Sunday or he didn't. Either Christ is our everything or he's not. Trajectories. When we grow lax in our our personal time with God, and we all do this from time to time, we set a trajectory when we're not communing with God and, and, and spending time in his word and growing and meditating and memorizing and praying and seeking his face. Soon, if we set that trajectory, soon we begin to neglect private worship, personal worship for this reason and that reason and this schedule and that schedule and this circumstance and that. And pretty soon we're not spending time with God at all. When we give room to a little sin in our hearts, when when we justify and rationalize this little compromise or or this little neglect or, or this little sin in our life, soon more sin will follow, greater sin will follow. It all sin always opens a valve in our heart. It never closes it, it opens it. And soon sin just begins to rush in when we set that trajectory in our hearts. Here's another trajectory, tweaking God's word on this point, on this topic, at this verse. When we set that trajectory that we kind of change and and maneuver and massage God's word here to suit us, to suit the time, to suit the circumstance, to suit the family member, when we begin to kind of maneuver God's word to suit us soon, soon, if you do that with one point in God's word, soon you got to do it with another because it's all connected. Listen to me, church. It's a trajectory. If you lose your biblical ethic, 
If you lose your biblical sexual ethic, you will soon lose your doctrine of salvation. You say, you're crazy, pastor. Call me crazy and then watch the trajectory. You can't give. The distance just grows. But it wasn't just the trajectory of distance, was it? He had to tell another lie, right? He had to tell another lie to attempt to reinforce and reassure his previous lie. See, small lies beget bigger lies. So a fuzzy denial, I don't know what you mean, becomes an outright clear denial. I do not know the man. Let's get this over. Let's get this settled. Now, that's a whole lot more than I don't know what you mean. You see the trajectory? I don't know what you mean was the first one, but the second one was, I don't know the man. He's talking about Jesus. I'll never deny you, Christ. I will, I will stand with you. I will die with you. I don't know the man. How'd he get there? Trajectory. Small steps. The same happens in our spiritual lives as the distance grows between us and Christ. Those, those little steps continue until where we are looks nothing like a follower of Christ. We claim to know Jesus, we claim to know God, we claim to be good with everything, but where we are does not look nothing. There's no fruit whatsoever. I mean, if you walked up to Simon Peter, if you were one of these bystanders, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, sure, he's a disciple. Because he is swearing up and down, he's not. You don't take that guy to be a disciple. It happens. It happens, church. None of us are free from it. And it's happened. It's happened to some of us here in this room. It, it may be even some here today. Just like Simon Peter, the, the, your, your recent actions, your, our recent words, our, our own life are, are giving really no indication. The way we appear to others is, is not giving any indication to them, oh yeah, she's a follower. Oh yeah, he loves the Lord. There's nothing about us that's bringing them that, to that conclusion. You know, our fall conference is, you know, be, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. When's the last time you or I had, had anybody ask us about our hope? But there's another, there's another progression that's taking place in this narrative here I want us to see, and that's the, the circle of consequence. The circle of influence in the wrong direction that Simon Peter is having because that grows as the distance grows, so does the circle of consequence grow. The further Simon Peter got away from Christ, the greater the number of people took notice. Did you, did you see that in the text? The more people started jumping into the conversation and taking note. So the more people that Simon Peter was becoming a denier of Christ in, in front of because of that trajectory, now it's not just the guards and a servant girl, now it's two servant girls and a group of bystanders as well. 
That lesson for us is this, church. Someone is always watching. Someone is always listening to our lives. It may be our own children. It may be our friends. It may be our co-workers. It may be our fellow church members. We, but are we, are we convincing them? Are we convincing those who are watching and listening and observing? Are we convincing them that Christ is the greatest treasure of all? He's worth everything. Or are we convincing them otherwise? Trajectories. How do you go from being a disciple to a denier? The last thing we see then in our text today is that eventually you have to commit to the wrong way. When, when you keep that trajectory and you become known as that person on that trajectory, eventually you have to commit to that wrong way. If you stay on this path away from Christ, at some point you have to either completely repent or you have to commit to it. And that's where we find Simon Peter in verses 73 through 75. At this point in Simon Peter's trajectory, we would say he's now farther away from Jesus than he has ever been since he met him. He has placed himself, listen to this, Simon Peter placed himself in a position from which he sees no way out. He sees it that way because he's got so much distance between him and Christ. If he admits he knows Christ, he's going to die too. But you see, if he was close to Christ, if he was keeping communion with Christ... He would yearn to pay that price instead of the other one. In fact, eventually he does, right? So he commits to the wrong way and he digs in his heels with curses and swearing. He denies Christ as forcefully as anyone has ever denied Christ. The man who made the confession of faith makes the greatest denial of Christ And the rooster crowed. And the words of Christ echoed in his heart, and he ran and he wept bitterly. You see, the distance from Christ cost him far more. The safety and ease that the distance promised, it didn't deliver. He didn't end up comfortable and safe, he ended up broken. That's what sin will always do. That's what compromise will always do. Now he has moved from disciple to denier. That's what he's known for now. Looking back, Simon Peter would give anything to have just stayed with Christ and count the cost. Do whatever it takes to be with Jesus, but don't be here. Don't be the denier. At the end of Simon Peter's life, there's one thing he wished he would have never done. Denied Christ. He wished now, now looking back, right? Spiritual hindsight is 2022. Now looking back, he wished he would have never taken that first small step 
because it led him down a road that broke him. The same is true for us, church. If we are true believers committing to the wrong way, the time will come when God will awaken us from our slumber and it will hit hard. It will hit hard just how far we have gone from Christ. There will be consequences. There will be fallout. Simon Peter will always be known as the great confessor. He will also always be known as the denier. And when we wake out of our slumber and realize we all started with that small step, we would do anything, anything to have never taken it. So here's the invitation today, church. How will we respond? Well, I believe for some of us, we've never truly given our lives to Christ. We've never truly been a disciple. We've never truly surrendered to Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Now, now we made a decision, but the decision was, I don't want to go to hell. The decision wasn't, I want Christ as my everything. We didn't make that decision. It, it wasn't to follow Christ and, and surrender to him. We were baptized, but, but it, was, it was because that was what everybody does and that was what we were supposed to do. It, it wasn't because we were marking the beginning of a brand new life, a brand new direction, a brand new passion. We went through the motions, but we never came to Christ. Or maybe we've never done any of those things. We've sat in church, we've sat out of church, we've listened, we've not listened, but we've never truly came to Christ. Now is the time, today is the day, to reverse trajectory, to change course, to come to Christ. If you are here today without Christ, I plead with you, lay everything else aside and come to Christ today as Savior and Lord and give him your all. A life with Jesus A life with Jesus is a life of no regret. A life leading away from Jesus will be a life filled with them. But for some of us here, as believers, we've drifted away. We know we have. We've allowed things to come in between us and Christ. Sin has crept in. Compromise here has led to compromise there. And today, we are as far away from Christ and, and a passionate, vibrant, zealous faith for God as we've ever been. So what do we do? Two things. Number one, close the gap. Remove the distance. Repent and confess. Return to your, your Savior and Lord. Run back to Christ today. Get, get rid of the sin. Do away with the temptation. Stop the compromise. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Close the gap. Don't go down the wrong path one more step. Don't take another step in the wrong direction. Reverse course. That's repentance. Reverse course. Close the gap. And second, count the cost. Count the cost. Let's stop being ashamed of the truth. There's a greater cost for being ashamed than there is for being counted with the truth. Let's let's start proclaiming the gospel instead of secretly hiding it. Let's begin standing for righteousness, renewing our passion for Christ, rekindling our faith.
Count the cost. If you will today, as a believer in Christ, if you will turn around and look back to Christ, you will find that he is looking for you. Close the gap. Count the cost. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look at Simon Peter's life and, and we ask, how in the world does this happen? And, and then we, we look at our lives and we realize how this happens. Those small steps, those little things, those little compromises, those little steps backward, that little distance, those trajectories that we set in our life that are away from Christ rather than drawing near to Christ. The refusal to repent, the refusal to acknowledge, the refusal to surrender, all of those things begin to build, and, and before we know it, our life, our testimony, our reputation, what people hear from us, what they see in us, looks nothing like a follower of Christ. Oh, oh we put up the image where we need to put it up, but we take it down where we want to take it down. And Lord, when we see that in our lives, it's, in the, it's in an indication of the need for repentance. Some of us are believers, and we just simply need to repent and remove the clutter and the distraction and the sin and the compromise. Renew our faith today through repentance. And some of us, Lord, need Christ, genuinely need Christ. We've went through the motions, but we've never been moved in our hearts to give everything to Christ. So Lord, help us today to make that the, the, the response to this text that we need to make in our life. May your Holy Spirit work in us to give us that thirst and that hunger for righteousness that we would do whatever it takes to remove that distance between us and Jesus today. And we're going to give you the glory and the praise for what you accomplish in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.